0: Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello, everyone. China is working very hard to become a modern maritime power and project power on the high seas. The modernization of the PLA Navy saw two aircraft carriers taken into active service in the last decades. The Chinese behavior in maritime disputes in the South China Sea and the East China Sea, like disregarding rulings of the UN Convention on the Law of the Seas, (UNCLOS) and building artificial structures on disputed reefs and islands, has led some to doubt the country's peaceful intentions. China's activity is not limited to the Pacific Ocean, though. Shipping routes through the Indian Ocean are vital for Chinese oil imports and have been included in the Belt and Road Initiative as part of the so-called Maritime Silk Road. It also saw the opening of the first Chinese military base outside of China, namely in Djibouti. How is the Chinese involvement changing the situation in the Indian Ocean? Is there chance for a peaceful coexistence of all parties involved? Or do we have to brace for conflict in the not-too-distant future? Hello, my name is Johannes Heller and to answer these questions I'm joined by Dr. Pradeep Taneja. Merrick's visiting academic fellow from May to July 2019 and in January 2020. He was born and educated in India, but also lived and worked in China for many years. He is a fellow of the Australia-India Institute and an associate of the Centre for Contemporary Chinese Studies, both at the University of Melbourne in Australia. Welcome. Hi, Jonas. So, Pradeep, how much is China involved in the Indian Ocean?
1: Well, if you go back... um 15 or 20 years, China barely had any presence in the Indian Ocean. China did not have a blue water navy. Chinese navy was essentially a coastal navy. Uh, China had not been a maritime power for a long time, perhaps since the Ming dynasty. Uh, But over the last uh, 15 years or so, the Chinese footprint in the Indian Ocean has been growing fairly steadily. According to some estimates, there are at least 8 to 10 Chinese ships and submarines in the Indian Ocean at any given time. So that is quite a considerable sort of shift in China's sort of presence in the Indian Ocean region compared to just, you know, 10, 15 years ago.
0: Is the Indian Ocean very important for China? What is the importance there?
1: Uh, Obviously, China is now the world's largest trading nation. You have to go to any port in the world and you will see costco shipping and chinese shipping everywhere so china clearly is a major trading nation and therefore shipping is absolutely important to it we know since the end of the second world war the shipping lanes or the sea lanes of communications around the world have been patrolled by the United States Navy for a long time. So in many ways, the security of the sea lanes of communications has been for the last 70 plus years provided by the United States Navy. And China has been a beneficiary of that security because China has emerged as a major trading nation. And as China began to trade with the rest of the world in the late 1970s, China was quite happy to have the protection provided by the United States Navy in some troubled parts of the world. But as China's own economy has grown and China's military and naval capabilities have steadily grown, China feels that now it should play a much more active role in the protection of the sea lanes of communication. But the problem, of course, in the Indian Ocean is that China is not the resident power in the Indian Ocean. And China's increasing naval presence in the Indian Ocean has begun to bother countries like India, which is, of course, one of the India and Australia, the resident Indian Ocean powers. And and there is concern about China's presence and China's intentions in the Indian Ocean. Mm
0: -hmm. Has the presence of Chinese uh, ships in the Indian Ocean impacted the China-India relationship in a way?
1: uh india and china of course have a long territorial dispute so the land border between india and china is source of enough tension and it's an undefined and uh you know a controversial border so there's no settlement uh, going back to the 1962 war between india and china uh, they have been negotiating now since the late 1970s to settle their land border but they haven't made much progress. On the positive side, of course, India-China border remains largely peaceful. Uh, Despite some skirmishes from time to time, India-China border has been peaceful. Not a single bullet has been fired on the border for decades now. So clearly they've been able to manage their land border. And historically, of course, India wasn't worried about China's maritime presence because China didn't have the capabilities to exercise influence in the Indian Ocean. But increasingly, as I said earlier, China's naval presence in the Indian Ocean is growing very steadily. So to just give you one example, in, um, in December, early December, the Indian Navy revealed that in September 2019, the Indian Navy expelled a Chinese research ship called Shri One. Uh, which was operating without the permission of the Indian military or the Indian government, it was operating in the Andaman Sea. You know, where Andaman and Nicobar Island chain, very close to the, the, the Straits of Malacca, is Indian territory. And therefore, India has a large exclusive economic zone in that area. And Chinese experimental ships were operating in that area. Essentially what Chinese Navy is trying to do by using these so-called research ships is to look at the, the the conditions, underwater conditions in those areas because submarines operate under very sort of tight conditions in the sense that you need maritime domain awareness, you need to have the, the geological knowledge of that area before submarines can operate successfully. And Chinese research ships have been studying that area, because Andaman Nicobar Islands and the Andaman Sea gives India a significant strategic advantage. Uh, It kind of, uh, from the eastern Indian Ocean to the Pacific, it connects the Indian Ocean to the Pacific via the, the Straits of Malacca. So strategically speaking, it does give India a significant advantage. And Chinese submarines have been detected in that area on a regular basis. So you can see, you know, that, that example of Shri Anwan, uh, the, you know, Chinese research ship uh, and the concerns that the Indian Navy had about it, it does kind of tell you about, you know, the, the, the growing challenge that China's increasing naval presence in the Indian Ocean presents for India.
0: Do India and China try to solve these issues together or are both like plowing ahead, uh, going their own way and the chance for, for conflict is increasing?
1: There has been um, very little collaboration, if you like. Uh, Although Indian naval ships have visited China, um, so, you know, Chinese Navy invites uh, ships from friendly countries and Indian naval ships have visited Chinese harbors and Chinese naval ships have also visited Indian harbors. But at the same time, there is a lot of activity by the Chinese Navy, by the People's Liberation Army Navy or PLAN, as it is called, in the indian ocean which concerns india to give you another another example in 2014 you had uh, two chinese submarines at least one confirmed a nuclear powered chinese submarine which appeared in in the sri lankan waters with the permission of the sri lankan government by the way now sri lanka and india have an understanding that sri lankan navy or sri lankan government will inform india if there was any you know any movement of naval assets of another country and in this case sri lanka did not inform india and sri lankan government and the chinese navy said that no there was nothing sinister about it that uh, this submarine was returning from um, from uh, the anti piracy duties in the indian ocean and and therefore this was just a routine sort of uh, visit First of all, you don't need submarines to operate against the, the, the pirates, uh, particularly you know, the Somali pirates. You, know, you don't need submarines to deal with them. Uh, and clearly it was part of uh, a familiarization sort of visit by the Chinese submarines because they want to study the conditions you know, in the Indian Ocean region. So, uh, there is a discussion among scholars and, and naval specialists in India and the Indian Ocean about China's intention, what exactly China a you know, hopes to achieve. Clearly, China can't hope to control the Indian Ocean, uh, because geographically it is it's too far away from China. So, unlike the South China Sea, where China's presence is such that now one can say that China is on the threshold of controlling the South China Sea. In the Indian Ocean, China can't hope to control the Indian Ocean, but the Chinese strategy could be to, you know, essentially deny India or any other Navy the strategic use of the Indian Ocean. So what's called the sea denial strategy. And submarines, of course, play a very important part because they stay hidden in an area and then they can be used to, to deny access to other you know, naval forces in that area. So China's strategy in the Indian Ocean is not so much about control, but developing capabilities, particularly the ability for the Chinese submarines, and China now has you know, nearly 75 submarines, uh, the capability which would allow it to deny access to... Um, to Indian and American and other uh, navies to successfully operate or to successfully counter Chinese presence in the region.
0: This is Merrick's Experts. As we touched upon uh, Sri Lanka right now, um, there are several smaller island nations in the Indian Ocean, like also the Maldives, Mauritius, the Seychelles, and they're kind of between... The two biggest uh, players in the region, like not counting the U.S. at the moment, but like between India and China, both influencing them politically, but also through other means. Um, what can you tell us about uh, their situation in with the growing um, importance of China in the Indian Ocean?
1: Uh, Chinese um, government has been engaged in a project to build port facilities around the Indian Ocean for a long time. And, of course, we've seen port construction by China in other parts of the world, too. But in the Indian Ocean, this has been going on for nearly 20 years, where China has been funding and you know providing technical assistance. And, in fact, Chinese companies are building some of these port facilities. Uh, and this has been happening all around the Indian Ocean. Some American uh, think tank uh, specialists have, have once called it the String of Pearl Strategy that China's strategy is to surround India with a a string of ports, dual-use ports, ports which will be ostensibly for civilian use but could also be put to military use or where Chinese Navy ships could be given access in times of crisis uh, or for regular visits. Uh, India, of course, doesn't kind of officially endorse this threat of string of pearls, but India does take note of the fact that American and other scholars have talked about this string of pearl strategy. But certainly in India's neighborhood, China has built port facilities in Gwadar in Pakistan on the Balochistan coast. Uh, China built the port in Hammantota in Sri Lanka, which of course has been quite controversial because China provided a loan to the Sri Lankan government for this port, and eventually, as the Sri Lankan government was enabled to to pay or to repay the money uh, chinese state owned companies now control the port of hamantota so that's just two examples of gwadar and hamantota but there's a lot of other ports which are being built in in myanmar for example chinese president xi jinping was in in myanmar just in january 2020 and he signed an agreement which of course we've known about for a long time but that china will build this major deep water port you know in uh, in, uh, in Myanmar so there is a whole string of uh, port infrastructure which china has been engaged in building now on surface of course port facilities can help these countries develop their trade and 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 port is essential infrastructure for any any coastal uh, nation but at the same time we don't know what the understandings are between the governments of these countries and china whether or not you know these port facilities can be used by chinese navy and, and to come back yeah. let me let me come back to the the other uh, the small island states the small island states of course india historically has had good cultural ties with most of these countries countries like mauritius for example have a large indian diaspora uh, sri lanka and india of course have long you know cultural links and as long as the Chinese navy was just a coastal navy, India also did not pay a significant amount of attention to these countries. In, in, in some ways, one can argue that India, in fact, has neglected its, its neighborhood in the Indian Ocean. India's policy now, of course, is to, to give priority to India's neighborhood. Prime Minister Modi of India has a neighborhood first policy. India also has this look east policy under which India has been developing closer ties with countries to India's east. Uh, But at the same time, China's presence in the Indian Ocean Island states is also increasing. So while India, for example, has traditionally provided security to Mauritius and Seychelles and and other countries in the region, but China is increasingly enhancing its presence in, in those countries. So certainly there is... Economic links with these countries. China is also building some of the port facilities in these countries. And there are frequent visits by Chinese political leaders to these countries. Uh, from India's point of view, of course, uh, India sees this as India's neighborhood. Even with Sri Lanka, for example, after independence of India and Sri Lanka from British rule, India saw Sri Lanka as part of kind of its legacy, the, the British colonial legacy, that India had a responsibility for security of the region. Sri Lanka has a very contested politics. As you know, they had a long civil war, which only ended in 2009. So Sri Lankan politics has been quite sort of uh, conflictual. And that allows for external powers like China mm-hmm. to increase their role. And we've seen that, you know, the, the Chinese presence in Sri Lanka has been growing, not only in terms of uh, economic you know, cooperation with Sri Lanka, but also in terms of military cooperation. So, for example, during the civil war in Sri Lanka, where the Sri Lankan military was engaged in in dealing with the Tamil Tigers, Indian Navy, because India has a large Tamil population, and Sri Lankan Tamils, of course, have cultural ties with the Indian Tamils, India was not willing to provide military assistance to, to Sri Lanka, and Sri Lanka relied on imports of you know military hardware, from China to deal with the the situation at home. So Sri Lanka-China military ties go back to the Sri Lankan civil war. But since the end of the civil war, we've seen greater naval cooperation between Sri Lanka and China. So in Sri Lanka, in Maldives, which again has also very contested politics, Seychelles and Mauritius, perhaps a little less so, we're seeing an increasing competition for power between China and India but sometimes it is assumed that it's only china and india which are shaping the environment we sometimes underestimate the agency or the ability of these island states to play one against the other uh, and and most of these states have been very good at uh, using china and india to try and and extract as much economic advantage as they can get from from both sides
0: the indian ocean and the pacific ocean are often combined together in a concept of uh, the Indo-Pacific, like a broader region encompassing both oceans and the the countries uh, bordering them. How does the concept of the Indo-Pacific affect the security dynamics in Asia? And maybe why does China reject this idea of the uh, Indo-Pacific?
1: The concept of Indo-Pacific has been around for a long time. But in security and strategic terms, it's only... You know, recently, that this has been formalized. Uh, in fact, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan, when he was Prime Minister the first time in 2006, he visited India and he, in his address to the Indian Parliament, he talked about the confluence of Indian and Pacific Oceans. And that, in a way, in strategic terms, the first time that this concept was first mentioned by an international leader. And Since then, scholars in Australia and India and Japan and, of course, in the United States have tried to flesh it out a bit more. And For the first 10 years or so, this concept was more an academic idea of seeing the Indian and Pacific Ocean as essentially a single sort of zone. Historically, if you look at the post-war period, the... Regional institution building in Asia was largely concentrated in the Pacific. So, for example, you have organizations like APAC, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum. India was not part of that. China, even Taiwan, and all the ASEAN countries, or most of the ASEAN countries were part of APAC, But India was excluded from, from APAC. India was uh, not considered uh, a major trading nation or a free trading nation and therefore the countries that initially formed apac decided to exclude india from apac india is still not a member of apac but in the changed security environment where china's military budget is now the second largest in the world china's naval presence is growing very rapidly the strategic thinkers around the the asia pacific region believe that uh, india can't be excluded in terms of tackling the China challenge. Uh, India has to be an integral part of any dialogue. And therefore, Shinzo Abe's idea of the confluence of Indian and Pacific Ocean developed into this idea of a Indo-Pacific security framework. And no wonder China is unhappy about the Indo-Pacific, because China sees it as a way to contain China. Whereas I think most other countries see it as a way of dealing with China, rather than containing china so far very little really has happened i mean there are exercises there are naval exercises between uh, the navies of uh, the united states india uh, and japan so for example india hosts an exercise called the malabar exercise which brings together the united states and and indian navy but now uh, japan has also become a, a regular participant Australia also is very keen to participate in the Malabar exercise. India has been reluctant to allow Australia to participate in Malabar exercise because I think India is cautious about reactions from China. And particularly because there is another grouping within the Indo-Pacific called the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue, or the Quad, which brings together the United States, Australia, India, and Japan for security consultations until recently it had only operated at uh, at an officials level but uh, late last year at the Bangkok East Asia summit it was elevated to the foreign ministers level where the foreign ministers of these four countries sat down together to to exchange you know uh, views on security in the region So China worries that both the Quad and this concept of the Indo-Pacific is designed to contain China's influence. But increasingly, consultations are happening not only among the four, you know, the Quad countries, but also other countries in the region to enhance what is called the Maritime Domain Awareness or MDA. Maritime Domain Awareness is really about knowing about the presence and the intentions of external actors in the region. And exchanging information about you know who is operating, who is present, whose submarines are operating in the region, in the Indo-Pacific region, has become critical to that debate. So countries of the Indo-Pacific have increasingly begun to cooperate on intelligence sharing, on information sharing, uh, particularly as China increases its uh, reconnaissance and surveillance activities in the Indian Ocean. Uh, There is more need for information sharing among the countries in the region.
0: One block of countries that's not in the region, even if you extend it further, would be the European Union. Do the developments in the Indian Ocean, like uh, increasing presence of of Chinese vessels, but also the rise of the concept of the Indo-Pacific, uh, concern the European Union or European Union member states? Is there a reason that we should deal with it more openly or more with a more concentrated effort or is it just too far away from the European Union and uh, it doesn't concern us at all?
1: European Union already plays some part in the Indian Ocean region. For example, European Union has a, a Horn of Africa uh, the sea monitoring facility where they they provide information to the European countries, but also to other like-minded countries. So European Union already has some presence in the Indian Ocean, and some individual uh, European Union states, like France, for example, has a significant you know presence in the Indian Ocean region. But I think it is important to, to deter any adventurism in the Indian Ocean region. It is important that European Union also plays a part because it is not about you know fighting, fighting wars. It's about making sure that wars don't occur, making sure that conflict doesn't occur. And to do that, you need all like-minded countries to play a much greater role, depending of course on their capabilities, to play a much greater role in that region. Because Indian Ocean is a very significant you know, part of the world. It's the third largest sort of oceanic division in the world. Uh, in fact if you if you go back in march 2014 we had this MH370 this Malaysian airline plane which which disappeared and after nearly 6 years of uh, search in the southern indian ocean we still don't know you know what happened to this plane and that in a way tells us about you know the significance of this vast area that is the indian ocean so increasingly, I think people are realizing that we need to be more aware of the conditions in the Indian Ocean. We need to be aware of who is operating in the Indian Ocean, who is present in the Indian Ocean, so that we can avoid any accidental uh, conflicts. So I think European Union has a role to play, and it has the capabilities to play a role. France has already embraced the idea of the Indo-Pacific, and I think countries like Germany, uh, need to be more aware and more more sensitive to the security situation in the region. So uh, going forward, I would like to see a much stronger European Union presence in the Indo-Pacific region.
0: On that note, I think we raised some awareness in this podcast as well. Thank you, Pradeep, for uh, joining us in our Merix Expert podcast. My name is Johannes Heller. Thank you for listening. Hear you next time. Goodbye. You have been listening to Merix Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merix.org.